Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to The Suitcase and The Strive with award-winning journalist Scott Burnside and former NHL goaltender Mike McKenna, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for another edition of the suitcase and the scribe, Mike McKenna. I, I was I wondered how you would look today. I, I followed on social media. You'd been in Philly. Uh, it looked like such a great event, and, uh, or the Wounded Warrior weekend in Philadelphia. Um, and I can only judge from the pictures, but it looked it looked great, and it looked like a really it just looked like a terrific event. Um, in support of something that's really important. So t- t- you tell me what you can tell me. I know what what happens in Philadelphia stays in Philadelphia, but t- tell me what you can tell me. Well, <laughs> it was a, it was a really fun weekend. Um, and, and it was a weekend that I think you, it really gave me some perspective on a lot of things that not just happened in this world, but happened within our armed forces. You know, I've been skating every week with, uh, the St. Louis Blues Warriors team in St. Louis uh, every Tuesday morning. I've been coaching the goalies and, you know, you, you, you come around people and you learn their stories, but really when you get in that setting where you're riding in cars, you're in the locker room, you're, yeah. you're having meals together. It really starts to come out and, and people, you know, start to trust you a little bit with their story. And I tell you what, Scott, it, it was probably one of the most powerful weekends, maybe most really, I mean, a life-changing weekend for myself in some ways to be around these women and men that served in armed forces and, yeah. and just know that what they've been through, what their lives are like and how, you know, this very unique culture of hockey has given them something more, some purpose. And, you know, I, I talk to people a lot about this and I say that it's really a support group more than it is a hockey team in a lot of ways. You know, you have people that have been through, really heavy things in life and very unique things. And there are so many parallels between a hockey locker room and, you know, what's done in the Marines or in the air force. And we just riffed off each other and I could never put myself in their shoes, but these are men and women that all have a disability rating from their time in the service. Uh, And some of them have never played hockey until the past year. And, you know, a couple of years ago, there was only four or five teams, six teams, eight teams, whatever. Um, and really the, the leadership of Brad Marsh in, in Philadelphia has been a driving force behind a lot of this. And now uh, the St. Louis team, both of them have had support from their NHL clubs, the Blues and the Flyers. We're hoping to see more of that in the future from NHL teams, but um, just an incredible weekend to be around these women and men and to just, uh, I'm going to have an article out on daily Faceoff tomorrow about it. And Good. Uh, a really, really powerful moment at the end of it that I'll save for that article. Um, 
but Scott, it was, it was bigger than the self. It was really cool. Uh, and then aside from that, I got to spend some time with our fearless leader, Frank Cervalli in, in Philadelphia and see some other friends and um, catch up with, you know, some other people in the game. So it, it was fun. It was rewarding, but uh, I'll tell you what, I was tired, man. I spent the day on the couch on, uh, on Sunday when I got home, just cuddled my kids. <laughs> Yeah, well, I I know that uh, it's it's about you know, playing hurt sometimes, and I I can I can relate to to, to that. So, um, all right, well, let's let's do a little news of the day. It seems that we um, you know we often have we often have news that we you know that's that's part of our game now, right? I mean, and that's you and I sort of had talked earlier in the week. Okay, let you know this you know, we can leave some of the, the heavier stuff behind. And it's going to be a hockey week. Yeah, we can finally it. just talk hockey. Yeah. And- <laughs> but you, uh, you know what? Here's, I, I think these, I, I'm, I'm so glad that, to, that we, that you and I have this time every week. And I'm so glad that we, I think it's important to talk about these things. So let, first of all, we, we know that Carrie Price has returned to the Montreal Canadiens um, after being in the, uh, the NHL, NHL PA uh, player program and, and, and came out on social media. And again, just, uh, I'm just becomes almost cliche now when, when we hear someone share something that's really personal and, and that has contributed to where they're at in, in their, their lives as a, as a hockey player and, and, and the greater, their greater life as a human being. And, you know, again, Carrie Price and, and uh, his wife have been so open about this right from the get-go, but um, he announced on social media that, um, that he had gone into a residential treatment facility for substance abuse. Um, very candid. I'll just read a little bit of it here. And over the last few years, I have let myself get to a very dark place and I didn't have the tools to cope with that struggle. And so last month he went into the residential treatment program. Uh, I am working through years of neglecting my own mental health, which will take some time to repair. All I can do is take it day by day with that comes some uncertainty with when I will return to play. And I, 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 I just, you know, I, I wonder how many people, maybe they don't care about hockey. Maybe they don't care about the haves. Maybe they don't care about goaltenders. Although, who doesn't care about goaltenders? But I wonder I how many do. people will listen to that or read it or come across a reference to it and say, you know what, that's, that's me. That reminds me of me. I, I, and I didn't know other people would feel that way or how great that someone like Carey Price, who with all of his you know, sort of career success and outward success has these issues and he's confronting them and, he, and he's sharing that. And I wonder you know, maybe what you made of it um, and, and maybe what happens next. I think it's just breaking the culture of silence. It's a continuation of that process that's finally starting to happen. Everything used to be kept in-house. These are our problems. We'll deal with them ourselves. And this is this is society. This isn't just hockey players. And, and anybody that's been through struggles, which, by the way, is everybody. Yes. You can, there is not a person on this earth that can stand there and say it's been bunnies and rainbows their entire life. We all struggle. And when you talk about it, when you're open about it, when you have a support system, you start to realize there's a lot of people pulling for you that care about you. Yeah. And, and it can be your teammates. It can be your management. It can be your employer because they need you at your best as a human being first. And it's really admirable of Carrie to get in front of it uh, and, and say what's, what it's been and, and to be very honest about what it's been, you know, I mean, he says substance abuse. You don't need to go any further than that. We just know it's substance abuse, but yeah. you know, in a situation like a goaltender, especially in a market like Montreal, there's always doubters. 
that are going to make some excuse, some lame bring excuse for why he can't perform or why he can't play, or he needs to apologize to the city or a team. No, he doesn't have to apologize to anybody. The guy needed help and he got it. And, and like he said, it's a continuation. It's a process. It's a daily grind. Um, But I think that humility is it's inspiring. And, And I think it's again, we're just, we're breaking that culture of silence. You know, we don't need to suffer in our own thoughts. And um, I'm really, I'm really happy for Kerry that he's one been able to find help in that way and to try to carry it on because, you know, these, these are lives. Okay. We play sports and I know there's people in this world that think that, oh, you're just high paid athletes and living the high life and everything, but it's like any other job. There's a ton of pressure that comes along with it. Okay. Like I'm, I'm not sure there really is more pressure than being the goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens. And I don't know if that's causation for what's happened with Kerry. I have no idea. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. It really doesn't matter, but they're tough jobs, man. And it can get to you. And so, um, Scott, I'm, I'm glad that we can talk about it. Um, yeah. and I'm glad that Kerry has. And yeah. but the unfortunate part is that we still have more news of the day <laughs> That's beyond Kerry Price and uh, Bob Murray in Anaheim, general manager of the team. An investigation uh, has concluded that they're going to uh, correct me on my verbiage here, for Scott, but they're effectively you know, placing him on leave right now while they investigate. So, um, you know, we've these situations are popping up now in hockey where it feels like all of a sudden the lid's off the kettle and people are thinking, OK, if you've been treated poorly, it's time to speak up enough of this, you know, Uh, I know you probably have that press release in front of you from the ducks. I know you're an absolute pro with it, but (laughs) you know, once again, like I think of this, think of this, Scott, I think how many people are nervous again? Like what more comes out, right? Like you better be on your best behavior because somebody might be coming after you at this point. And, and you know, how many people are nervous? Like it's, it's reality. Well, and it'll be interesting. I, I, I here. I'll just, this is just from the Ducks uh, released last night. Um, we recently became aware of accusations of improper professional conduct against Bob Murray. After internal review, they've enlisted Shepard Mullen to perform an independent investigation. And upon recommendation from their initial findings, we've decided to place Bob on administrative leave pending final results. And I, so I don't, you know, I don't know whether this comes via the league's mm-hmm. anonymous hotline, which was set up a couple of years ago. I think the announcement actually came at the All-Star Weekend in St. Louis. Um, or maybe it was the final in uh, in 19. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But it's been, and Gary Bettman alluded to it in his um, Zoom media briefing a week and a half or so ago. So I don't know if that's exactly where those um, the initial complaints or the concerns about his behavior, Bob Murray's behavior, I don't know where, the, where they came from exactly. Um, and, and I think, you know, I've seen, you know, some people referred on social media, again, not, not any place necessarily get the truth, you know, what is reality, but <laughs> sure. you know, this, this more bad news, you know, a, a dark cloud over the game. And I honestly, I look at it completely differently. I, I, I think this is absolutely how it, this is what should be happening. And, yeah. it, and it, you know, we talked a lot about Kyle beach in the last month or so, and, and we should continue to talk about him all the time. And it's a decade too late for Kyle beach and for John Doe too, all those things. But I think the, this is great news. If people felt that they were mistreated at the hands of Bob Murray in, in, within that Anaheim ducks organization, 
then thank goodness you've come forward and thank goodness the ducks have responded. And here's, here's where we're at and we'll see where it leads Bob Murray personally. We'll see where it leads the ducks professionally, but Oh my God, I think this is grand news. And, and to your point, Mike, I, I, and maybe we've seen some of this in the last couple of years with coaches of reckoning for, for coaches, Uh, Bill Peters and his, uh, you know, abhorrent behavior uh, vis-a-vis Kim Aliu and, and some other players, even coaching in the NHL, Mike Babcock and, you know, Mark Crawford's interesting, you know, one of still part of the coaching staff in Chicago went and went in and had counseling and, and yeah. went and really confronted how he was as a head coach. And I've known Mark a long time. And my sense is that he really you know had to come to grips with that. Paul Maurice has spoken very candidly in Winnipeg about how he had to be a different person. Todd McClellan as well, that th- the times have changed and they need to change. And maybe this is a, a, another signal that needs to happen at all levels within the hockey game. And if it's a day of reckoning for Bob Murray, then then I'm totally okay with that. And, and if it's a day of reckoning for somebody else in another organization, man, open those doors. That's, that's my take on it. I just, I have one phrase going through my head endlessly when I keep hearing these stories come out of uh, abuse in any other form. It's just stop being an asshole. Yeah. I, I, I don't be an asshole. Like <laughs> I, I, I can't think of any other way to phrase this. And, and, and we're not talking about, I, in this instance, I'm not talking about, you know, the Kyle Beach, the sexual abuse. Yeah. I'm talking about just the treatment of individuals, yeah. you know, and, you know, we don't always feel empowered to speak up. OK, and I think that this is a direct result of Gary Bettman saying, if you're being treated wrong, talk. We need to hear about this because we're sick of our league getting dragged through the mud because people aren't acting nicely. Yeah. And, and it makes me think in my past, like, why didn't I speak up about things that are going on? You know, people that are just poorly treating you or bullying you a little bit, or, you know, yeah. why well, not? Like, I, I because, but, have, yeah, but I yeah, but do that. Did you like, what? I mean, your experience, I mean, you played a long time, different levels, different organizations. Like when you think about people you interacted with, maybe it was coaches, maybe it was managers, owners, whoever in a mm-hmm. position of power over you as a player, do you think now, geez, I, I wish I'd said something or this would never happen now, I hope, or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that I had really any situation where I thought, man, I'm being really treated poorly by an organization, you know, Mm -hmm. while I was playing oddly Uh, post career is actually when I kind of felt that more than anything, oddly enough. But um, I just, I, I, I find this to be a sense. I find this to be a kind of a moment in time where I think we're going to look at it and go, Wow, that takes the weight off people's shoulders. Wow, it lets them breathe because they're actually going to be believed now. And and things are so open. Like you look at the younger generation, look at millennials, look at people. I mean, I'm a millennial. I'm the first year of the millennials. I don't like to admit that, Scott. I'm 38, so I'm the first year of it. I'm categorized in, but we want transparency. We want openness. We want to know why. We want people to talk to us. And it's taken, frankly, older generations a while to figure out, you know what? You better get with the times or we're coming for you. That's it. Like, and again, I'm 38. Okay. I'm not the 30 year old, 28 year old, but like, this is the reality of the way the world works now. It's a changed world. Uh, and I think it's for the better. I, I think that we're going to be holding ourselves accountable more often moving forward. And um, I keep saying this, I keep holding true to it. It's the only, it's the reason why I'm still in this game. Why I'm in the game is that I still love this sport. And I do think we're in a better place. I keep holding on to that, Scott. I really believe that. I'm glad. Hockey. 
What an I honestly like, yeah. I'm gonna, Let's talk there's hockey. No, there's no subtle way to we're we're segueing. I you know, we're taking yeah. a right turn. We're gonna go, we're gonna talk some hockey. And last night, uh day before you and I taped the suitcase and scribe, that was an outstanding night of hockey. And I'm I've got my computer going, I got it on, I got ESPN plus going. Look at me plugging my former employer. Right. But <laughs> it, I thought it was outstanding. So tell me, give me your, what you, what would you wake up thinking about when, when you were thinking about actual hockey on the ice last night? My first thought was how many overtime games we had. And <laughs> I was doing the same thing. Like, so Scott, I got this weird thing where I like to, I like to stand in the shower and I used to sit in there occasionally and have, I'd have a shower beer. Like if I cut the lawn, I'd have a shower beer. Well, I've got this little thing. Uh, it's called, a, I think it's called a, a Sudski or something like that, that sticks on the wall of my shower that fits a beer can perfect or a truly can. And well, now I've gotten to put, I'm putting my phone in it and watching hockey. So here's the hard part. Like my showers have been extended by five minutes, but last night I'm watching, I've got ESPN plus on and they're just rolling through these overtime games yeah. and we're seeing, you know, Carolina scores and it gets called back. And then we go again and, and then we flip over to the next game and we've got an OT winner in, uh, in LA. And I'm just like, Man, this is awesome. Like the real time aspect of how we're getting stuff. Um, I really clued in last night on Detroit Edmonton. Yeah. You know, th- this great. was a big matchup for me. It was a great game. Edmonton had won four straight coming in. Uh, Detroit's been rolling, you know, the young talent in Detroit versus, well, still young talent in Edmonton. <laughs> That's, That's you know what I mean? Like this, this was just a great matchup. And um, I-, I thought Detroit just straight up outplayed Edmonton. You know, I thought Edmonton looked tired. They looked passive defensively. They looked they looked for the first time to me this year beatable. And, you know, the, the one thing that's going to come from last night's game is the gaffe from Stuart Skinner, the goaltender for the Edmonton Oilers. Mishandles a puck. Uh, I believe it's Dylan Larkin picks it up, puts it in an open net. He actually played a really good game. He did. And Alex Nadelkovich on the other side played a really good game for what ended up being, you know, a 3-2 game, 4-2 with the empty netter at the end. Uh, Nadelkovich's puck handling big part of that for Detroit. I just, I was intrigued by this and Vitaly Nemestikov sixth and seventh goals of the season. Yeah. First two, uh, you know, I mean, drives the wide net roast Tyson Berry and goes right around Skinner. I just, I was so into this game and uh, you know, it's, it was three, nothing at the, by second period. And I just, it continued to be impressed by Detroit. Scott, like, it's not just Raymond and Cider. I know these two, we may talk about it a bit later, are definite to me Calder Cup or Calder Cup. I apologize. Calder Trophy. Your AHL uh, background, man. It is, dude. It comes out so much with me. But like they're Calder Trophy candidates through and through. Like I've got a piece coming out later today on Daily Faceoff about Mort Cider. And I'm so impressed by this kid. I was digging to try to find negatives and, and to find clues on why his game's going to regress or why it's not as good as I think it is. I really can't find them. And they're driving the Red Wings. You know, Bertuzzi's also in that mix. Larkin, Nemestikov. But it's, it's really that injection of youth. They're playing so free. Uh, and, and, man, they just beat the Edmonton Oilers. You know, like, <laughs> straight up. Like, that's a team that was killing everybody. I mean, McDavid, of course, still scored. He's still put up a point in every game, all 11 games this year. Uh, but I think this was a wake-up call to league, man. The, the Detroit Red Wings aren't flirting with playoffs. They're in playoffs now, Scott. I... Uh... I had a little rant on Tyler Bertuzzi on the show last week with Frank. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, anyway, I'll leave that there. Who were, who were you watching last night? I mean, there's plenty to yeah. choose from. 
Oh my God. Now, you know what I was thinking about you last night? And I was watching this game. I, I did watch a fair amount of the Montreal LA game. We're going to touch on that a little bit later. That's sort of the California uprising. Um, but I was, I was curious about how that Tampa Carolina game was, was going to unfold. Um, you know, obviously Carolina, their uh, season um, record franchise records setting start to the season came to an end with their loss uh, in Florida on Saturday night. This was their first game after it. I know Rod Moore hadn't been very happy with how they played. And, and you know, Tampa has been, they started to come into like, listen, they, they, Tampa does not care, right? They don't, they don't care where <laughs> we're going to make the playoffs. We'll be there at the, the end. It does not matter to them. That's- I'm sure there's a little bit of, okay, let's, Let's not let this, you know, like, let's not let things slide too much. So that, sure. I was curious about that game. But what has really got me fascinated, Freddie Anderson comes up with another win last night. Uh, so the Canes are 10 and one. He's nine and one, I think, without looking at him in front of me. I don't know why I didn't look that up. Plenty of wins. Yes. He's I, think, I think his wins this year are more than I ever had in the league. Well, and well, anti, well, my curiosity, and I'm curious what you think of this now is, of course, uh, Auntie Ranta was injured after coming on in relief of Freddie Anderson on Saturday. Just a man, that was a hard collision. Um, and I don't know. If, I don't know when Auntie Ranta will be back. Alex Lyon's been called up from the American Hockey League. Um, and and our, Freddie Anderson was already playing virtually every game anyway, because he was playing so well. But I'm curious what you make of that. Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about workload and we talk about, you know, the rhythm and uh, like how this plays out. And if Auntie Ranta can't play for any extended period of time, the Carolina Hurricanes have had success over the last couple of years. You know, one of my favorite guys, Curtis McElhaney, comes in and during that, you know, magical run in, in uh, 19, they go to the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. final. Um Just so what an outstanding chance for him. And maybe people wouldn't expect it. Maybe the same happens for Alex Lyon. You mentioned Stuart Skinner last night uh, in Edmonton's goal with Mike Smith still hurt. There's got to have, got to have depth everywhere, but you got to have goaltending depth. And I wonder, are you a little concerned about what happens now to the Carolina hurricanes with, you know, again, with, you know, the, the, the safety net of Auntie Ranta gone, at least for the foreseeable future. I'm not really uh, because I, frankly, going into the season, I wasn't sure how many games Auntie Ronto would play. He's always hurt. Like he's just always hurt. And the tough part to take about that hit from Ryan Lomberg is that Ranta put himself in such a bad spot. Like goalies are protected. You are not allowed to hit a goaltender. Yeah. But if you're a goaltender and you skate out into oncoming traffic, I mean, this isn't Atari, man. Like you're, you're in one dude. Like that was a terrible decision. And he paid the price. And now who knows when he's going to be back, if ever. I mean, like, seriously. And and he did it at a time where he where his goalie partner, Freddie Anderson, had already been pulled. Yeah. Like, is that really the time where you need to push the envelope like that? Your teammate needs he needs to stay on that bench and give him a night off after a bad outing. Or not not even a bad outing. The guy just needs a rest, period. Yeah. Right. Um, so all that out the window. The Carolina Hurricanes have had such good success in the last several seasons, trotting out kind of whoever in that. They play well defensively. They're structured. They play hard. Rod Brindamore has that team in a mental focus that works. And Alex Lyon is 100% a capable goaltender at the NHL level. He hasn't been able to show it at length, but this is a guy who has pedigree. He's played well at the American League level. It's ironic that he's in Carolina's organization because 
Uh, years ago, Alex Lyon was part of the, the longest American Hockey League overtime game in a victory over the Carolina Hurricanes farm team, the Charlotte Checkers, ironically enough. And he was a member of, yeah. of the Philadelphia Phantoms. Um, so I, I think Alex Lyon will be fine there. Uh, and I, I think that they went into this season, the Hurricanes, thinking, we got question marks with Ranta. We do want to have somebody we think is on the cusp of being an NHL goaltender. Alex Lyon fits that mold. You know, I wouldn't call him a prospect at this point, yeah. but he's somebody who can come in and play as necessary. And look at the schedule coming up for Carolina. They do have a back-to-back. They've got Philly, St. Louis, two good teams. Yep. You know, you have to, I mean, Alex Lyon's going to play one of those games at minimum. Yeah. Um, and, and I think down the road, like they're, they basically alternate days. They're playing a lot of hockey. You get a couple games, hopefully Ranta's back, but it's a great chance for Lyon. You know, if he comes in, plays well a couple games, the Hurricanes have never shown hesitation to letting somebody run with it. Curtis McElhaney got two more years out of his career from yeah. that season in Carolina because he played so well. And he was such a good teammate. Yeah. And I, I love those stories, Sky. It's a great pickup on your part. <laughs> All right. Um, we talked a little bit about the Calder. I'm curious. And listen, I'm, uh, you know, that those kids in Detroit, I'm fascinated to see, you know, how, it, you know, how it unfolds and Raymond, I, I think it's going to be great. And it's, and it's interesting you know, in the last few years, we've all, there's always been a somebody who has surged to the front of that Calder race, Kaprizov. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, last year, at, in my memory, at least, he, he seemed yeah. to be wire to wire as the guy who was going to win it. And yeah, and if he hadn't started off so hot, it would have been Robertson from Dallas. Exactly. Yeah. Right? In fact, so. yes, you're right. And and Robertson made made a case for it, but you know, I I'm 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 I'm, I'm wondering how it will all unfold there. Bowen Byron's an interesting guy for me, you know, slide in there. But I I, I always find it's not the hardest. I always find that Selkie was really hard in terms of my voting experience. I, that was something I always wrestled with and tried to call as many people as possible. But the Norris, man, the Norris is hard because you don't want to. And I, you know, was a longtime PHWA guy. I was president for three years. Um, you don't want to get sucked in too much by just the offensive part of the Norris because it's that's not what the award's about. It's for the best defenseman. Can you be the best defenseman, not score 70 points? Or are you the best defenseman if you score 70 or 75? It's a lot of layers to that. Um, but I'm wondering what you make of it. Like it's, it's, you know, we're, we're, there's enough of a body of evidence now to say, okay, this is, you know, this is going to be good. And I think we, you know, Adam Fox is off to a great start, the defending Norris trophy winner. He's right at the top of the defensive scoring um, I don't know. What do you make of it? What do you make of the whole Norris talk as we head into the middle of November? I think we've got an easy Baker's dozen that could win this thing right now. Great for <laughs> and voters. I, and I don't think that's, that's probably being a little bit generous. I mean, there's probably at this point a half dozen players that are in this conversation. And of course you always look at the top of the list. You're going to see Fox, Yossi, um, Quinn Hughes, by the way, is, is having a nice season in Vancouver. Uh, he's playing better defensively, which will help him. I mean, it's always been the knock is uh, offensively minded, but cautious on D, but I just, I think that you're going to have to always find a player from a really good team. Okay. Doesn't that always seem to be the common denominator, Scott, is that the defensive, the best defenseman in the league better be on one of the best teams in the league. Cause that's what win games. And so I think you're looking at Adam Fox, of course, he's at the top of the list. I mean, he's, he does it all. I think he's the pinnacle right now. Yep. Um, you know, Kale McCarr isn't up in the scoring, but like, he's always in the mix. I just, I, I think that you're looking at Fox and I think that 
Aaron Eckblad, how can you not look at him in Florida? You yeah. know, like he may not lead the NHL in defensive scoring, but he's the point, man. He's the new Victor Hedman down there in South Florida. Okay. And yeah. by the way, Victor Hedman is still in the mix. Yeah. So um, yeah. I, I think it's just so interesting to see that. And I mean, even Miro Heiskin on a team that's not very good in Dallas, he's starting to carry the mail again. So um, if I had to pick front runners right now, I, I'd say Fox, Yossi, Ekblad yep. would kind of be my top, my pointy end. Yep. But man, even like Kevin Shattenkirk's put up 12 points in 14 games, you know, like a guy's flying around like a 28 year old for the blues back in the day. So oh, I, I don't know how to handicap this one, Scott. Like who are, yeah. your, who are your picks? Like, well, I, I, you mentioned Ackblad. I looked at it this morning. He's playing 3.30 a night on average on the penalty kill. Um, what about, what about Chris Letang? A couple of old gray beards, Chris Letang and Brent Burns are both averaging more than 27 minutes a night. Man, that's a lot of ice. Big time. engines, both baby. Those, yeah. Now Pittsburgh's in last place in the Metro. Um, so we, I want to ask you, so you raise the issue and, and I wonder whether you think it's fair. Cause I always, as a longtime voter, you know, there's a line in the sand on some of these awards for me, for the heart and for the Norris, if your team's not in the playoffs, I, I, I'm sorry, you you're not the best player in the NHL if you can't help your team get in the playoffs. And, and maybe it's misguided and people will say, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, that's where, you know, you have, there's a lot of things that go into the mix. And yeah. um, so I, I'm with you on that. To me, for those pivotal awards, and I, the Hart and the Norris are, you know, sort of hand in hand because the defenseman almost never wins the Hart. You, you've got to be on an elite team. I'm totally yeah. on board with that. And so, you know, there will, that will call some of, some of those people. The Rangers are going to be a bubble team, I think, but I think they're going to be a playoff team. So Adam Fox is definitely mm-hmm. going to be in there. But I, I like Aaron Eckblad in that mix. And I do – well, let me ask you. Is, yeah, I mean, you, you would have had a close relationship with defense when you understand that important. <laughs> yep. Like, I hope, I hope the voters – and I think we've done a nice job of it as, as writers in the PHWA and some of the broadcasters who do vote – in balancing that it's not just, you're not just looking at the top defensive, although I have that list on my computer right now, the top scorers, but there has to be a mix of, you know, Victor having such a great example of dominates at both ends. And I think Aaron Eckblad has, has morphed in the last few years. I thought he might've won the Norris last year. Had he not uh, suffered that horrific, I want to say he break his leg, leg injury, knee injury, leg injury, I guess he might've won it last year. And I think if he continues on this arc, he'll be in the final, part there but uh to me you gotta it's gotta be both ends that's why anyway uh, well i mean look at john carlson you know like here's somebody who's for years was crushing everybody in points and that was always the knock can he is he really the best defenseman yeah you know like that's kind of the reality of perception when you look at it and i you know as a player standpoint who do you fear going up against and and I, and I don't think anybody fears Quinn Hughes. Like Quinn Hughes would have to put up 120 points to win a, you know, to, to be defensive of the year in the league in some instances, as I would think. Right. And uh, I, I think you look at that well-rounded aspect and it is amazing to see how players develop that are defensemen. They are on a longer track and Ekblad, Hedman, you know, they came into the league at 19, 20 years old, and they didn't hit their stride until 27, 28. I mean, even Roman Yossi the same way. What does amaze me is to see these younger players like the Foxes, the Makars, the Heiskanens, the Byrams, the Siders crushing it right away at 2021. Yeah. And that's what I can't predict. What's it going to look like four or five years from now? Because there's such an emphasis on mobile puck moving defensemen, and every team has one. 
and they're all locked in at about seven, eight, nine million bucks <laughs> and good for them. Yeah. No kidding. Um, but you can't win without them. You know, they're, they are invaluable to your team and you've got to draft these players. These are players that you've got to draft and develop if you want to hit them in the prime. There's not many people like Petrangelo that are going to be on the market later in their careers. Yeah, no, it's true. And, you know, I mean, the, Dougie Hamilton's probably one of the, you know, again, Petrangelo is a great example of that. And I thought it took him a long time. You know, Tory Krug, I suppose, same thing. Both those guys, I thought, took a long time to get into new environments in Vegas and mm-hmm. St. Louis respectively. Dougie Hamilton has been a bit uh, banged up in New Jersey, but you know, he's such an important part of what Tom Fitzgerald and Lindy Ruff and that group in, in um, New Jersey are doing huge win by the way, over uh, Florida last night. So good for, yeah. good for them with Dougie Hamilton. Huge goal. win, a huge seven goals. Oh my God. It was, yeah, like the, it was like the eighties again. Um, all right. When we come back, we're going to, uh, we're going to, well, we're not going anywhere, but uh, <laughs> well, I want to talk some California uprising, man. It's been a bit of a dry spell out on the, on the West coast for a couple of years, but I don't know. Maybe we're turning the corner, but you know, one of my favorite parts of, of the show is when we talk about DoorDash and DoorDash is the proud sponsor of the nation network of podcasts, restaurants, and more delivered right to your door. I always, I live vicariously through you, Mike. So what was the DoorDash <laughs> moment in the McKenna uh, household? And I know you were like, you may have had some recovery from, uh, from your weekend in Philadelphia. Did DoorDash uh, play into a, a factor in that or play a role? Came to the rescue. I told my <laughs> wife that I think it was when I was at the airport in Philadelphia, I said, I'm coming home. We're DoorDash and pizza from Boardwalk Pizza. Uh, my wife is from New York State. And so she's been on this mission to find New York style pizza in St. Louis. And we finally found this place called Boardwalk Pizza and they, they deliver through DoorDash. And I'm thinking, this is great. It's perfect. It was actually, and it's been delicious. We've had it a couple of times. And she, she actually looked at me the other day and she goes, no, nah, this isn't really New York style. It's more like Jersey style. And I was like, are, are you kidding? Are you really burying me on this? Like I've, we've done our best in St. Louis, Missouri to find New York style. And this is more New Jersey style. What's the difference? Well, it needs a little more crust to really be New York style. And I'm just That's like, cool man, price. we're so bougie about pizza in this house. Right. Uh, that. It's and, and I love it all. I'll crush all of it. I don't get only bad pizza I ever have is in Omaha, Nebraska. I don't know why. Only bad city with locale. I'll eat thin crust, thick crust, whatever. Um, but it's just a funny moment that yeah, this, this isn't really New York. It's more Jersey style. And but yeah, man, I came home. I got to the once I got home from the airport. Boom, DoorDash dialed it up. It was there in forty minutes, and uh, we had some happy kids. So it made our life easy on Sunday night when I returned from Philly. Uh, I'm so pleased to hear that. I, I love that part of it. So all right, so let's. Let's talk a little California. I mean, uh, two in uh, two years in a row, all three California teams have missed the playoffs, um, and and really in you know various states of decline or rebuild or retooling or whatever you want to say. But and yeah, I know you know caveat, it's still real early. But I, just look at the standings today. All three California teams would be in the playoffs if the if we only played twelve games. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, we got 70 more. So who knows what happens? But, you know, I really, you know, a terrific start. And, and you know, I, I'm curious what you think of the Kings. I know you took a, a real close look at them. You know, for me, um, Anaheim has been one of those great stories. And you mentioned Kevin Shattenkirk. I've, I've known Kevin a long time. And, man, so pleased for him. Got a cup in Tampa. And he's got a young family and found a place in Anaheim um, and really has – 
has been one of the leaders on that team as they've come out of the blocks and the, I think they get 17 points tied, you know, mm-hmm. near the top of the Western conference standings very early. Um, and, but what about the, what about Troy Terry? For me, that's the, that's what's like, how, who the heck is Troy Terry? Oh, it's a great pickup. Yeah. Great. 12 game point streak scored the game winner in overtime last night uh, against Vancouver. Um, and I went back and I was looking and I didn't, I never, it hadn't really sort of dawned on me or whatever played in the Olympics in 2018 in South Korea, which of course the NHL was not at fifth round draft pick, but boy, what a great story for a ducks team that has lots of young players that I think they were really waiting to, you know, for them to, to show their stuff. And it didn't happen the last couple of years, missed the playoffs. And that's a team. So let me ask you it this way, real, real deal, or just uh, maybe water finds its own level. What do you make of the ducks? I think the sustainability is obviously the question with this team yeah. right now. They're playing very well. I've been a believer in Dallas Eakins for a long time, dating back to when he was with the Toronto Marlies. Uh, I had that team going. I, I just, I think Eakins does a really nice job of rounding up troops and finding ways to pull inspiration from players. Uh, and I talked to Kevin Shattenkirk last week when I did a piece on him for Daily Faceoff about his resurgence, you know, and basically what it comes down to is he got knee surgery and he feels good again. Okay, simple as that. Um, he did also have some interesting details about he changed his skates. He went to a lighter model. Uh, he changed his sticks. Uh, he changed his, you know, kick point flex patterns and things that nice. I found interesting. He had the quote saying that I had been so stubborn that, I was using Callaway Big Bertha when the new stuff could give me 30 more yards. <laughs> and so, uh, but, but my, my pointed question to him, though, was really, are you dictating this or is it the young guys? And he said, you know what? If you talk to the young guys, they'd probably say me, but I think it's the other way around. They're playing with a lot of structure. They're also playing, um, they're having fun. Uh, but he also credited Jeff Ward. Assistant coach Jeff Ward, former head coach of the of, uh, Calgary Flames, yep. with streamlining their offensive approach and especially their power play. Yep. And I think the Ducks have really been able to capture the confidence that they have on the power play and carry it throughout their five-on-five play. And that's where Troy Terry's really taken off. Yeah. Okay, Because I think we looked at Drysdale and Zegras as being the two who would drive this team early in the season. And Zegras has been fine. Drysdale's been a bit player. He hasn't done as much as expected in terms of offensive output, but this team, I think it has the pieces to be pretty good uh, and they've got to keep playing to the level they are. And they've yeah. got to stick to the details because if they lose the details, it's all going to go sideways. Yeah. But Troy Terry, man, I just, this was the guy that I, I thought of last season thinking, I'm not sure if he's ever going to hit his peak. You know, where is this player? He, this is a player who coming out of world juniors, heroic performance for the U.S. team, where I think he scored eight five-hole goals in a shootout to win for them. You know, I can't remember what year it was, but I remember watching it just going, he did it again. He went five-hole again. And then he just got lost in the shuffle for a few years. Yeah. Um, man, he looks so confident with the puck. And this is relates back to what Shattenkirk said. He said, you know, we're really just letting talent shine. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're playing to the strengths of our players and we're getting them the pucks in places that they can be successful with it. Yeah. And, and you're seeing that through the lineup. I like that team a lot, Scott. Uh, I also like, we're going to dive on this a bit. I like Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I know you've seen them a bit. Yep. Uh, obviously. Well, and that game really last, well, the last went back to back wins over Toronto, Montreal on the road. Mm-hmm. That's, that was impressive. It is. And, and I think a lot of it is Philip Deneau. 
Yeah. First six games, he had one goal. He just wasn't finding his way with the team. And that's so hard to come into a new environment after you've been with the club for a long time. I think in the last seven games, he's got, you know, five, six points, six, seven points. And Dano's not a huge point driver. He's a puck possession driver. He's taking all the defensives on faceoffs. He's winning them. Uh, he's creating transition for his team, which he did in Montreal. That team in Montreal last year that went to the finals was so good because they would just take transition. They'd take turnovers and go the other way. And Dano was a big part of that. Yeah. And that's what you're seeing in LA. That team has been sped up by a player like Dano who gets the puck. And now he's got Andreas Athanasiu on his line who can skate like Forrest Gump can run <laughs> just ripping down the ice, extending the zone. Uh, Alex, I you know, I'm a big, I fan. Um, I, I had LA picked early this season to be a contender and man, I was really worried at the start because it didn't look like it. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, for me, I mean, when you, and especially with, you know, I didn't know what to, you know, I didn't know what to do with all three of those California teams. Eh, I didn't yeah. like, you know, anyway, and especially when Drew Doughty went down and Sean Walker, I mean, that blue line, you know, you were like, oh, I don't, you know, maybe this just, maybe it's another, they're another year away, but I'm, I'm totally with you. And it's interesting. I talked to an NHL executive about Philip Deneau um, after it must've been heading into last night's game, but he was, and he'd watched very closely and said, you know what it, a, he does the things that he was doing in, in Montreal, as, as you point out, but the ripple effect of that is that you, you, there's so much of a burden that's now lifted off of Andre Kopitar, who, mm. you know, one of the games, all time, great two way centers, uh, hall of famer, no doubt in my mind at the mm-hmm. end of his career. Right. Anyway, he, that's how great he is at both ends of the ice. But he doesn't have to do every single thing now, right? I mean, Philip right. Deneau allows Todd McClellan to, okay, how, you know, what do you want to do? You want to use Kopitar, Deneau on this one. Let's save Kopitar and, you know, make power play, whatever it is. But it has freed that lineup up to do lots of different things because Deneau is so good at what he does. So mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. Yeah, well, I think it just shows centermen are a premium in the NHL. Yeah. Simple as that. I mean, you can see why LA was in on Eichel or it, from what we had heard at least, or why really they would not, want yes. somebody, you know, that, you know, you needed a pivot and you needed a one, two punch. You really need a one, two, three punch. And, you know, we didn't touch on the um, Calder trophy too long, but somebody in Florida, like Anton Lundell is a centerman who's 20 years old. And now Florida's got Barkov, Lundell, Reinhardt, like down the middle, like, man, that's pretty scary lineup, you know, dude, like I would want to go against that. And um, that'll be interesting, by the way, just a quick aside there. I think Finland may have two Florida Panthers at center in the Olympics. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the other team in, in California to keep an eye on, like San Jose, they're in the wild card race. I don't even care how they're playing. I just listen to their interviews. <laughs> and, you know, I hear Logan Couture say, yeah, we're just basically having fun. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, man, but I think it's just Evander Kane's out of the room and they don't have any more things to worry about. Like, I, I, I hate to say that it's just one player, but it seems to be a cultural shift in San Jose. Yeah, well, and that's, you know, and that's been a, a team that I think they've had, A, they've had some strong personalities over the last decade. And you think mm-hmm. of Joe Thornton and you think of Brent Burns and Eric Carlson comes into the mix and, you know, you lose Joe Pavelski because you don't want to give him term and he helps right. to re- restore 
to support or redefine the culture in Dallas. They go to a Stanley Cup final. I mean, I think you're right. This is a team that, okay, who are we? What do we want to be? And, you know, are we, are, you know, are we, a, are we a, a team of good people or not? And, you know, I think, I think you're, I think you've hit the nail on the head and they've got some young players now who are getting a chance, you know, to exert themselves and to, yeah. to fulfill a role. And then, and, you know, as I mentioned early on, I mean, Brent Burns is off to a great start. Um, the goaltending, which is, was a bit of a black hole the last couple of years, you know, seems to, been you know, Aiden Hills, you know, Hill's I, been, it, yeah, Hill's it, been good. It, James Reimer's been, James Reimer's been great. Terrific there. So, <laughs> so I don't know. Talk about All a right. pleasant surprise, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. All right. We're going to get, we're getting towards the end here, but I, I wanted to, you was, as always, nice to work with a pro. Nice segue. We were talking about the Florida Panthers. Since you and I, is this right? Since last week, two new head coaches. No, I guess, uh, I guess the Joel Quenville thing may have happened before our last one. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> uh, but Derek Broussard, Derek Broussard. Andrew He's still Burnett, playing currently. Still we'll, playing currently. Yeah. Could be a coach. <laughs> Andrew Burnett, uh, former Atlanta Thrasher, uh, former executive in Minnesota. Now it takes over for Joel Quenville with one of the best teams in the NHL, the Florida Panthers. And at the opposite end of the spectrum, of course, Jeremy Colleton, his time came and went very quickly with the Blackhawks and very abruptly. I was a bit surprised on the weekend when they, the Blackhawks made that coaching change, but longtime NHLer and, and a guy who's worked his way through the minor pro coaching ranks in Derek King now takes over very different personalities, very different teams in terms of, okay, you know, is, what now is this, mm-hmm. is this long-term? Is this, are you a placeholder? Um, but it, it is interesting. I think both those teams, um, you know, how they, how they treat their respective coaching, whether it's a search or coaching positions. And I wonder what you make of that. That's a broad question to ask you, but. Oh, it's, we're good at that at this point. I mean, no one's yeah, ever accused good. me of being short. Um, I, I, you know, Chicago's just kind of at this stage, like let's get, let's just let everything settle. Yeah. Let's see what happens. I mean, they've won two straight, but again, Marc-Andre Fleury pulled a rabbit out last night yeah. uh, in a pretty vintage performance. That It's his old team. Yeah. Time. Yeah. And I don't think Derek King's going to come in and fix what may be the worst five on five team I've ever seen. In, <laughs> in, I mean, I know I'm being a little facetious here, but just watching every single team zip the puck around, the defensive zone of the Chicago Blackhawks effortlessly. Yeah. It was hard to watch. Yeah. Like for, it made you cringe when the puck got into the Blackhawks defensive zone. Yeah. And the ironic part is they actually have decent special teams. So yes. like, that's a bad sign there. Uh, I think it's going to take a little bit to shake out with Chicago, whether King can make any difference, or even if they're just looking to get through this year. Yeah. Um, I, and, you know, Derek King's done it previously uh, when um, I'm trying to think of the last go around who was let go. Well, it was Q. Right. And so uh, I'm trying to think of, nope, that last time it was Quenville takes, he leaves, Colleton takes over. King's done this before for a bit. Regardless of it, I I think that, you know, Chicago's kind of get through this mode in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, are they going to have a new GM? Are they going to have a president of hockey ops? Are they going to have a new coach? Like if I'm ownership, I'm just going, let's, let's just trot them out and play. Let's set this settle for a while. Whereas in Florida, Andrew Burnett, I'm, I'm sure you don't want to tell the guy, hey, there's pressure on you, but there is for real. No. Yeah. I mean, that team was crushing and they've lost two straight, like whatever. Like they've come down the mountain. Okay. Like you go on that big of a high, it can happen. 
um, you know, Spencer Knight hops in and, and doesn't have a great night, not terrible, not a great night. And it, it's, it's just, it was kind of time for a little regression in Florida. You can't yeah. run it forever. Yeah. You're um, not going 80 and two. So no, yeah. but, but I always look at these situations and I think you got to give the guy a benefit of the doubt here. Yeah. Like look at Dean Evison, the job that he's done in Minnesota. It's great. Assistant coach promoted. I mean, was the right choice for that team. Yeah. He's never been a head coach before. And of course, everybody's going to say, well, what about playoffs playoffs? Well, what do you know, man? You can't win in playoffs until you've been in playoffs and had the chance. I don't like that argument. And I, you know, Dan Bilesma, even in 2009 with the Pittsburgh Penguins, he'd never been a head coach, comes in, wins the Stanley Cup. So you never hire an assistant coach in the National Hockey League thinking that they will strictly be an assistant coach at all times, no matter what. There is always the thought process of a general manager that this person may have to take the reins someday and we need someone to be ready for it. And I mean, that's why teams have a couple of different assistant coaches. Okay. There's always one in the mix. That's the heir apparent always. And it's, I mean, head coaches know that Yeah, it's, it's real. That's just how it works. And, and I mean, I think Andrew Burnett's somebody that when he played had the reputation of he's going to be a coach. He's going to be a student of the game. I think he's ready for it. Give him a chance. Okay. It's a good team. Let him succeed first. I mean, if he doesn't succeed, then you got to reevaluate, obviously. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally with you. I, and I know Andrew a little bit and uh, the same thing, right? I mean, you know, he's had different executive roles. I mean, he's he's a thinking man. He's pretty well-rounded. Yeah, no, yeah. We, I, I totally agree. And I like I like him back there. But it is it will be fascinating to see how this goes, because it, listen, Florida is a really good team mm-hmm. and they're going to be in the playoffs. But at some point, you know, if you're Bill Zito, you're the GM and you built this team and you now you had that playoff series against Tampa in the spring. You've had this tumultuous moment where, you know, Joel Quenville's been forced to resign in disgrace. Okay, how what what is your plan, right? Like, what is your can you know, do can you be how patient can you be? I guess is my point. Oh, yeah. If yeah. this what's the threshold? What what if all of a sudden things go off the rails. What's your level of patience? You know, if things go off the rails with John Cooper and Tampa Bay, Julian Breezewald does not care. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause he knows right. it's going to be okay. But does Bill Zeno know it's going to be okay with Andrew Burnett? Well, you don't know no. until you know, I, I stole a, that line from Barry Trotz. There's you don't a, know until you know, there's a pucker level there. You know what I mean? There is. And I think that's, it is the threshold. You just hope to keep team keeps winning period. I think if you're Bill Zito, the best, best thing that happens, the team just keeps winning and it makes your job easy. You don't have to make these hard decisions. Um, And and even if you bring somebody new in, it doesn't mean you're going to let Andrew Burnett go. It's, you know, Alan, Elaine Nesredine's assistant coach in the New Jersey. Exactly. After having a stint as a head. So you learn a lot about your personnel in these types of situations. And I think you got to trust them. Yeah. I always say trust a former Atlanta Thrasher. That's my, yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, all right. We're just about the end. Good. I, you know, final word. I know we talked about maybe, should we talk Olympics? We can do that next week. Uh, I'm excited about it. Um, I don't know. Anything, anything you want to get off your chest? I, I, I'd like to give, I'm going to share the last word with you. Well, I, I, that Florida situation at center, like I said, previous is interesting to me. I, I think Anton Liddell is one of the best centermen, uh, I mean, you look at the Finnish players in the league, this guy's going to make the team. Yeah, he is. And I don't think that that at the start of the year was a slam dunk by any stretch. No. Uh, you mentioned Troy Terry. Yep. 
how do you not put him on the U.S. team if he's playing like this? How can you not? And, and he's an Olympic. You know? He's had Olympic experience. Now I'm an expert on Troy Terry because I looked it up. I didn't. Even, I'd forgotten he played in South Korea. But no. Well, listen. I, I almost ended up playing for the U.S. team in South Korea. Yeah. Okay. Been so, so much fun. Not no no. It, it, I mean, going to it, yes, but getting run out of the building by B level teams, no. Okay. I. Uh, I that's right. the reason why I did do it. Oh <laughs> uh, well, no, I'm I'm with you on trade. There's a lot of, you know, there are a lot of plays again. A lot of it's it's so early, but it it gets late quickly, yeah. especially the, when you're talking about uh, rosters that will have to be in. Can't remember the date. First week of January is my guess. Yeah. Uh, final rosters are the second week of January at the outside. So and I think the big one for me is goalies are always so interesting, and I think that the Canadian. The Canadian goalie situation is wide open. You know, you've got a lot of people in the mix here. Um, I mean, I think people had Marc-Andre Fleury, probably for sure. Is that the case at this point? I sure don't think so. I I mean, that's going to be tough. So, I mean, does Jordan Bennington make it? Man, he had one of the best games I've ever seen last night. Uh, Oh, I don't think it's a question question of does Jordan Bennington make it? Is he a starter? He's a starter right now. I mean, right, right. and listen, we talked about Carey Price off the top. Doesn't, you know, this, the Olympics should be way down his list, but we're having this discussion. I'm sure Doug Armstrong and the Canadian management team is okay. I, I don't, you know, where does Carey Price fit in for them? Right. Maybe he doesn't fit at all. And maybe yeah. he's already told them, I, I, I'm out. I, I don't know that, but. Yeah, I think you have to be prepared for that possibility. And you're right. Marc-Andre Fleury playing, you know, it's a bad Chicago team. But boy, I don't know. Who well, else? He, who, who else on that? Uh, I, I think like, I, I think Carter Hart's got a good chance here. Yeah. Nice um, start for him. By the way, him and Martin Jones. Yeah. I've been really impressed with both of them. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Kim Dillabaugh has done a good job getting those guys to circle their wagons back to center Agreed. and Philly sneaky, Philly sneaky. Good, by the way, that's a team yeah, to keep are. an eye on. Uh, but I think that the really interesting one for me is Braden Holtby. Yeah. Yes. I, I think that I don't think he's on the long list. I don't think, but I, I look at how he's list. performed when I watch Braden Holtby mm-hmm. this year, I just think, man, he's outperformed Darcy Kemper, who I had as Vesna pick. He's outperformed, you know, some of these other guys that are supposed to be in the mix. Like yeah. I know he's not on the long list, but I just keep thinking like he sure is trying, isn't he? So, <laughs> he's doing great. Yeah. Uh, all right. I want to ask you one quick one on the Olympic gold. Anything is John Gibson, your U S starter for sure. Or what about, what about Jack? Great, great start for him. Really notwithstanding a loss against his former teammates, the Kings the other night, but Jack Campbell's been real good. Is, or is it, is this really uh, John Gibson's job? To, it's his job. I'd run with Thatcher Demko. That's yeah. me. Yeah. Um, I, I I think that you know Connor Hellebuck, Thatcher Demko, Gibson Campbell. You can kind of take your pick from that grouping of players. I mean, Cal Peterson hasn't done as well this year as expected. Jonathan Quick's been resurgent. Yeah, I mean, I'll admit that I've beat up Quick and his stylistic tendencies a little bit this year, but he's playing well. I, I think Campbell's made all the case he can. He has plenty of history with USA hockey previously. Um, I, I, I love Demko and I don't think he's going to make the team. Yeah. That's my gut feeling. Like, I think you're going to see Campbell Gibson Hellebuck that to me, that seems like, yeah, I think that's, I think that's probably the, and you know, Con- and Connor Hellebuck's just coming back. So yeah. he's, you know, a former resident of trophy winner. So there's, you know, lots yeah. of, that's a good resume to have. So, it is. Yeah. And I think you carry that clout. So, 
but I do. I think Campbell's. I, I'm I'm still not sold on Campbell. I truly am not. Just because he hasn't have as much of a body of work in the National Hockey League, and Man. I think Gibson, Gibson on the big stage with the U.S. crest on his jersey seems to carry clout with the U.S. team. And there's still that perception league wide that John Gibson is a world beater. Like it still exists amongst GMs. Yeah. So um, I do think you're right. John Gibson might be the clubhouse leader. I think Hellebuck makes it on reputation. And I think Campbell and Demko are going to fight it out to the very end. That's my guess. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm excited. Yep. All right. That was outstanding as always. So, yeah. so great. Let's, uh, let's do it again next week. I, I, I'm already. All right, penciled it in for uh, next Wednesday. So the next episode of The Suitcase and the Scribe. But uh, fine work by you as always. Scott, always a pleasure. I can't wait to uh, fire up the DoorDash, get that going for next week and tell you all about it. Oh, I can't wait. Thanks for listening to The Suitcase and the Scribe, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.